All right. Well, with that, let's get into the word. Joy, 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 joy. Well, we started a series last week, Christmas series, entitled, called Revealed. Revealed. So I have a question to ask you while, while I'm asking the question. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 5 and Luke chapter 1. Romans 5, oh yeah, Luke chapter 1. So I want to ask you, what's the favorite, what's the best Christmas gift you've ever received? What's the best, okay, other than Jesus, because you have to say Jesus. Um, what's the best, I actually, I want to know, a couple of people, just raise your hand. If there's something you're like, yeah, I got to tell you, what'd you get? Ah, uh, got engaged on Christmas. Yeah, such a romantic. The tree, ring was in the tree. What a guy, what a guy. Cherie. Ah, you got your son. He was born on Christmas? Oh, right on. Close enough. Amen. What else? Yeah. When Zeal was born, he was in the hospital in intensive care for over a month. Oh, wow. Gosh, and I, I'm thinking like a surfboard, right? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you get? Ah, awesome. Anyone else? Some, something, who got a great toy? Anyone get a toy? All right, Sergio, we'll, go, we'll do both. Yeah! <laughs> and, and half of you are like, what did he just do, right? And the rest of you are old. Um, yeah, what'd you get? I got my Epiphone All right. Guitar. Right on. I actually knew what that was. I'm all, I thought you said at first you got an EpiPen. I'm like, right on. That's, we all get, we get excited about different things. I want to show you um, one of my favorite gifts ever was this right here. It was a Lego set that I got. Um, Lego is timeless because I got this Lego set, not this particular one. I don't still have the box. Um, in the 1980s sometime. I don't know what exact year it was. But I remember, you know, Legos in a box have a distinct sound. And I came out and I picked up that box and I knew before I unwrapped it that it was Lego. And it was the biggest Lego set I'd ever got in my life. Of course, I got little things here and there. I got this set and I played with this Lego set for years and years. I probably, this particular set got played with more than any of my other toys. Um, Hands down. I remember playing with my Legos. You know, it was was just a great, anyone love Legos? Any Lego maniacs, right? So here's the cool thing. Some of the pieces, I'm sure we've lost some, but some of the pieces from that set are now in the possession of my kids in the midst of their masses of Legos. We have a lot of Legos at our house. And I think all four of my kids love Legos. Like Micah, he still loves Legos. So great gift. I remember that gift. Well, those mo- it's, it's those, those gifts that are revealed on Christmas morning that just bless us. The fact that I would remember a gift that I received 30 plus years ago. But it made such an impact. And the fact that with the internet now, you can go and find... I mean, that's incredible. I just Googled 1980s Lego set, and it was one of the first ones that popped up. I'm like, that's awesome. I actually built all of those things. So cool. God has revealed a gift to us. 
He has a gift for us. That gift is Jesus Christ. That gift is eternal life. And his, that gift is he himself giving himself to us. And he is so excited to give us good gifts. Isaiah 65 verse 1 says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here am I, here am I. The prophet Isaiah expressing the heart of God, and that heart being this, I want you to know who I am. And I will do whatever I need to do. I will go to great lengths for you to know who I am as God expresses his heart to us. So last week we talked about hope revealed. That we have a hope that is deep-seated, that, it, that is, it, 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 it's a knowing, a deep knowing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. And we have his word to back that up. Today we're going to talk about joy. We're going to talk about joy, joy revealed. Well, last week I shared about a Christmas carol, and I'm going to keep doing this each week. I'm telling you, I'm learning so much, and I hope you get something out of this. Even if you don't, I don't I'm enjoying it, so just indulge me for a minute. Joy to the world. We're not going to sing it or listen to it because we already sang it this morning, but we know the Christmas carol. Joy to the world. And I'm not going to sing it for you. Um, it's hard not to, right? It's hard not to just go there. A little history about joy to the world. It is the number two, the second most recorded uh, and performed Christmas carol in the world um, after Silent Night. Um, Last week, we talked about O Holy Night, which was number three, Joy to the World, number two. It was a poem written by a man named Isaac Watts, and it was published in 1719. It's old. It's been around for a while. Watts was a pastor, a writer, and a hymn writer. In fact, he wrote over 750 hymns. You might recognize a couple of them. Uh, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, right? Alas, and Did My Savior Bleed um, are two of the ones that that are most, really most known, and of course, Joy to the World. It was put to music in 1839 by a man named Lowell, Lowell Mason. That's a hard name to say, Lowell Mason. Um, He himself was a composer. He didn't write lyrics, but he put poems and and hymns to song. And he wrote over 1,600 tunes for hymns. That's a lot. Um, If you played, anyone play an instrument in public school at all? Any, Any band members? All right, if you played an instrument in public school, you have Lowell Mason to, to thank. Because he is credited with being the one who brought music into public education. Um, and he's actually seen as a pioneer in, in that realm. Just a little tidbit of information. Um, the, the song that he wrote, and the melody to Joy to the World, is actually based off of the melody to Handel's Messiah. Um, which, by the way, if you've not listened to that, Handel's Messiah in its entirety, it's phenomenal. Just if, if you're on iTunes or Spotify, just, just look it up and listen to the whole thing. It's It's incredible. Um, but he based uh, the melody off of Handel's Messiah, which you'll hear when you listen, because it, it repeats all the way through. So I, I mentioned it's the second most popular Christmas carol of all time. But here's the thing. It's not a Christmas carol. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. Joy to the World is not a Christmas carol. Um, he didn't write it as a Christmas carol. In fact, 
Isaac Watts wrote Joy to the World in anticipation of the second coming of Christ. It's based out of Psalm 98. If you read Psalm 98, you'll, you'll see Joy to the World. But it has nothing to do with the birth of Christ. It has everything to do with his second coming. My mind was blown. It was pretty incredible. So listen to the words. I'm just going to read the words of the first verse and then the first line of the next three verses. Otherwise, we'd be here for a while because it's one of those that keeps going. Joy to the world. Think, again, think about this in light of Jesus coming again. Not the birth, but the second coming. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. And then in verse 3, no more, uh, no more let sin and sorrows grow. In verse 4, he rules the world with truth and grace. When you sing this Christmas carol, what you hear in it is, is this theme. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And the earth itself will cry out in praise. But I did not know that it was, a, was not a Christmas carol. You know, it takes on a whole new meaning. And sometimes things aren't what they th- you think they are, right? Who of you didn't know that this morning? You didn't know that it was, right? So most of us would say, if I'd say, hey, joy to the world. Oh, yeah, Christmas carol. Um, sometimes things aren't what they seem. And I, I thought, you know, it's so appropriate and how God orchestrated this, because when it comes to the subject of joy, joy, most often for believers, is not what we think it is. We hear the word joy, and we make some assumptions that are really misguided and misplaced, and are not in alignment with Scripture. And so my heart this morning, my desire this morning, is to talk about joy revealed as it relates to what God's heart was when he says joy. And there's a theme with joy, and, and, and of course we understand that there's, I feel joy and there's an emotion attached, but, but, but that is such a small little piece of what joy really is. Deb just had mentioned the joy of the Lord is my strength, and we see in there a key to understanding what joy, what biblical spiritual joy really is. I want to start in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, we're going to read one Verses 1 through 5. Um, and, and put on a lens, if you would, as you, as you read along with me in your Bible or on the screen. This word joy, the word rejoice. Think about it now, and not in, in terms of a baby being born, but a king returning. Okay, let's put that on as our lens. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We focused last week on the hope portion of that scripture. Hope does not disappoint us because he's poured out his love. But I've highlighted in yellow the words there. 
this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God was that hope, that we are eternal beings serving an eternal king who is coming back for his people. And that we will spend eternity with him in a place where there is no suffering, there is no pain, there is no loss, there are no tears. And so those things that we endure, because Romans 5, quite honestly, is one of those passages that when you're going through a hard time, I'm going to avoid Romans 5. Because it's a little bit of like salt in the wound, right? Because I just kind of want to wallow in what I'm feeling right now. And then I read that and it's like, oh, consider it joy or like rejoice when you go through these things. I don't want to rejoice. I don't want to rejoice. I just want to suffer in my, in my suffering. Let me just suffer a little bit. God says, no, rejoice. Why? Because there's a hope that's bigger. There's a perspective that's bigger than what we see right now. So what's the big deal about joy? Why joy? Well, it's not a case of the warm and fuzzies, as Tom said. Joy is not about the warm and fuzzies. And while there is an emotional aspect to joy, that is not what defines joy. It's not what, what joy is. It's not just me about me feeling good and just, ah. Oh. I'm just in such a place of joy. We would equate that with happiness. And quite, quite honestly, happiness has really got a bad rap in the church. Because you don't just be happy, right? Bobby McFerrin, anyone? I'm going way back against some of you. Don't worry. Be happy. You're welcome. That song will be stuck in your head till next Sunday. Um, don't worry. Be happy, right? Everything should, No. Happiness actually has an appropriate place in Scripture, Right along with joy. But joy is not just simply an emotion. It's not just this outward thing. Listen to this. Joy is not natural. It's not. We are not naturally joyful. Because of our sin. Because of the sin nature that we're born, born into. We do not have the capacity for joy. So sin is, I mean, joy is not natural. It's based on something bigger than us. It is supernatural. Joy is born of the Spirit, born of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God at work in us. It's not born of the flesh. What does that mean? There's nothing that you can do physically in your life to make yourself more joyful. I say that again. There's nothing you can do in your life physically that's going to cause joy to be in your life. There will be a cheap facsimile of it, a knockoff, but joy cannot be manufactured. It is born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. And of course, in Galatians 5, we see that it is a fruit of the Spirit. And we talked about this just a few weeks ago. So there's something foundational about joy. And this is where I really want to land this morning. There is something so foundational about what joy is that I feel like we miss it. Because we sing songs and go, joy to the world, be joyful. Hey, the joy of the Lord, right? And, then, and we just kind of move on and we gloss over it like it's not as... Because we get grace and faith and all of these words that, right? Sanctification and propitiation, if, right? And we get all these big words and it's like, well, joy, just, just joy. Put a smile on. No, Joy really is foundational. So we want to start there. I'm going to go back to the Lego set. All right, so this is the Lego set that I got. Oh, I missed that Lego set. All right, 
Every Lego set comes with instructions. Now, I know some of you are of the persuasion that instructions are just suggestions. Some of you never even open the instructions. You're like, I'm just going to build whatever I want. You're free spirits. For the rest of us, any of you, you're like, I have to follow the directions, right? I'm like, step one, it says this. My sister was more of the free spirit. She drove me crazy. I'm like, no, keep all the pieces separated and everything needs to be all the colors and the sizes. Don't mess with it. So they would come with instructions that look like this, okay? So, so there's that truck. I built that truck. I actually built that truck. I was having like this trip down memory lane. It was so cool. But you'll see step number one. You see that, that, that block, that piece of Lego right there? Would say what five, four across and like sixteen long, right? I need a four by sixteen Lego movie. Anyone? Oh, come on! All right, everyone is awesome. Um, that's gonna be stuck in your head too. You're welcome. The foundational piece. You can't build the rest of it until you have number one in place. Joy is number one. Joy is that peace that has to be there before anything else can be built onto it. And here's how I know. We see it in the Greek. We're going we're gonna to investigate the Greek word a little bit this morning. And you're going you're gonna to see some connects that are made that are, that are pretty cool. Because the Bible is better than Legos. Isn't that cool? The Bible is better than Legos. The word joy appears in the New Testament 173 times, 27 books, 173 times. Do you think it's important? Yeah. In fact, in scripture, repetition, they didn't have punctuation like we do. And so repetition was the way that you got your point across. So if there's something that's repeated over and over and over again, something you should probably pay attention to, right? Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. I really mean it, right? There are seven words that are translated into joy from the Greek. Luke uses uh, some form of the word joy 36 times in his gospel. The the gospel of Luke is the joy gospel. Uh, By contrast, Mark uses the word joy once, and it's in a negative connotation. So... (laughs) I think I would have rather hung out with Luke. Um, joy was the mark of the, the gospel of Luke, which is why we read the, the most, most often we read the, the story of Christmas out of Luke chapter 1 and 2 um, because it just captures that joy. It's fun, fun to read. Um, so joy is the, the, the two words that are most used to translate joy in the New Testament. The word Cairo. And the word kara, kara and kara. In fact, kara is, uh, it means a state of joy, being in a state of joy. It's an internal thing. That there's joy on the inside of you. And kara is actually based off of the word Cairo, C-H-A-I-R-O. So Cairo and kara kind of go right together. Kara is the internal joy. Cairo is actually a verb. And so when Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, he's actually giving a command to do something. It's not a, hey, just meditate on this. 
When he says rejoice, it's actually, a, it's, a, it's a, a command in scripture. It's written in such a way, it's like, now go do this. It's like me saying to my boys, go take out the trash, right? And if I come back and I see the trash cans next to the house, what am I going to say? Guys, you didn't do what I said you needed to do. When Paul says rejoice in the Lord, he's actually telling believers, you need to do something. There needs to be some evidence and some action in your life that, that is in response to this joy in your life. What well, keeps going beyond that, there's the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, which is also based on the word kairos. The word charis means, anyone know? Grace. It's the word grace. So the word grace and the word joy have the same root meaning. But it doesn't stop there. Oh, wait, there's more. Call now. The word charisma or charismata means gifts. We have spiritual charisma or charismata, the spiritual gifts, the same root word, kara or kairos, joy, a deep-seated, just welling up from inside joy. So now we have, we have joy we have, uh, what was the next one I did? We have grace and we have gifts. But wait, we're not done. The word Eucharist, the word kara right there in the middle of Eucharist, what we celebrated this morning, to be thankful. Eucharist is the word thankful in the Greek. And right in the middle of it is the word kara, joy. You see how even linguistically, God does not make mistakes. He uses joy as a foundation piece to build other things onto it. He says that in the middle of joy, you're going to have grace and you're going to have peace and there's going to be gifts and there's going to be thankfulness and there's going to be all of these things that come into play in your life and it all is rooted in joy. I get so excited about that. I, I have moments in my office during the week where I'm studying and I'm alone and I'm like, I just need to tell someone. And God's like, yeah, on Sunday morning. So I'm excited. I hope you're excited because joy is really at the core and it is at the heart of who God is and what he has for us. So when we sing joy to the world, it means something more than, hey, I'm so glad Jesus came. Aren't you happy? No, that's not, what it's, that's not what it is. In fact, that's why Isaac Watts wrote, joy to the world when our king returns, because he's going to usher in his kingdom, and the kingdom of this world will end, and the kingdom of his reign will, will begin for eternity, but it's already begun. And so it's appropriate for us to sing it as a Christmas carol, because when Jesus was born, he ushered in the kingdom of God. In fact, he says to his disciples, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Now, not future, but now. And so it's both a now and then kind of thinking. And because of that, and because of salvation and the free gift of grace that we've been given, there is a joy that starts bubbling. And you start feeling it right in here. Back for the, for the Israelites, for the Hebrews, they associated different emotions with th- different parts of the body, right? Because you, you feel like when you're, when you're stressed, where do you feel it? Oh, you feel it in your chest, right? There's a little rush of adrenaline, right? When you're, when you're aching, when you're mourning, where do you feel it? 
feel it like, like right in your gut. And there's so just different, different parts of your body that get affected by, by different kinds of emotion. Well, we see that here, that joy is this internal, deep-seated thing that, that gushes up that's produced in us by the Spirit when we understand who He is and what Jesus has done for us and our rightful place in the kingdom of God. And out of our joy comes grace. And out of that joy, we receive gifts. And out of that joy, we become thankful. So when Paul says that we need to persevere and that we need to rejoice in our sufferings and, and persevere in those things. What he's saying is, there's going to be something on the inside of you that will give you what you need to get you to where you need to be. It's called joy. So Luke chapter 1. There's joy. Joy is power. Joy is power. Luke chapter 1 says this, At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. We read about Zechariah and Elizabeth last week. Mary, who's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, goes to visit her cousin. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. The baby hears the voice of Mary. And he leaps with joy. John leaps with joy. And what's the result of that? She's filled with the Holy Spirit. That joy ushers in the power of God. I have a picture to illustrate this. This is an icebreaker. It's the Russian nuclear-powered icebreaker. It's, called, it's named 50 Years of Victory. I wouldn't try and pronounce it in Russian. It's, my Russian is worse than my Greek. Um, that ship is amazing. That ship is specifically designed to break through up to 16 feet of solid ice. 16 feet. That's, that's that. That's 16 feet of solid ice. It's nuclear powered. It has three electric uh, power plants that generate, check this out, 75,000 horsepower. 75,000 horsepower. So put in perspective, your car, if you drive uh, a Honda, you probably 100 and 130 horsepower. 75,000 horsepower. Double hull construction that allows the ship to push up on top of the ice, and then the weight of the ship breaks through that ice. And it will just plow a channel where other ships can follow it and, and keep shipping lanes open. Could I suggest to you this morning that joy is an icebreaker in your life? That this is joy. That this is joy in your life. That God has shaped you in such a way and fashioned you in such a way and deposited in you in the, his Holy Spirit in such a way that joy will be that propulsion system that moves you forward. When Paul says rejoice, in your suffering, what he's saying is God's put something in you that will cause you to break through impossible situations. 
16 feet of ice. You could park like tons of trucks on that. You can, Ice Road Truckers, do you ever watch that show? Those guys ride on like a foot of ice. They drive a big rig over that. 16 feet, it's nothing for this thing because it's specifically designed to break through. You as a follower of Jesus Christ have been specifically designed to persevere in suffering because of the joy that is in you by the Holy Spirit. And that joy is there, the Holy Spirit is there because Jesus came, he was born, he lived a life, he ministered, died on the cross and rose again. Oh, and by the way, he's coming back. You are an icebreaker. So when God says to you through the word of God, through his word, persevere, rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, right? Rejoice, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. What he's not saying is suck it up. Stop whining. Don't be a baby. What he's saying is you are an icebreaker. And I've designed you and you don't have 75,000 horsepower. You have infinite horsepower through the Holy Spirit to get up on top of the situations in your life and bring breakthrough. That's who God says you is. And that is something that both is caused by joy and generates joy. It does both. So it is internal and it is an external. When Paul says rejoice, what he's saying is, don't just sit there and take it. When I say, well, it's a verb, what do you do? You get on your knees. You open your mouth and you say, in the name of Jesus, I don't receive this. This is not for me. Why? Because he's given you the authority that the kingdom power, the, 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 the power of the kingdom of God is behind you. 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9. If you, not, you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you, have not, you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. The word translated here for joy actually means jumping up and down. It's not like, oh, I'm so joyful. Right? I've seen some of you watching football. Right? There's been some catches over this weekend, some college games, that, uh, or Green Bay. Anyone watch the Green Bay? And was like, Man, Lions almost pulled it out. And then one second to go, psh, there was some joy. There were no Green Bay fans on their, on their chairs, right? They were all standing. If they were on their chairs, they were standing on their chairs. Inexpressible and glorious joy. What God has done for us should cause us to jump up and down. For you have received the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So joy is power. And joy is perspective, James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What is James saying? He's giving us perspective. Because what we see is this. And he's saying, no, lift your head up. And realize that the circumstances are producing something in you that at the end of the race will reveal themselves. That something will be produced in you so that you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's joy. You're an icebreaker. Tell the person next to you, you're an icebreaker. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Our prayer team will be available we stand together?
The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not a mantra. It's not something you just repeat. If you say it enough, then maybe there will be breakthrough. The joy of your, the Lord is your strength. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is in you because Jesus came, that he was born, that he lived, he ministered, he died, he rose again, and he's coming back. And because of that, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you're struggling with joy, you really need to go back and say, how am I doing with Jesus? Do I really grasp the fullness of what he's done for me? I don't mean that as an indictment. I mean that as an exhortation. Because sometimes we can get stuck. 50 years of victory, that icebreaker will go and help other ships that get stuck on the ice that can't break through. It will actually go and assist other vessels. Maybe God's calling you to come alongside of someone and say, listen, I know you're feeling a little stuck. Let me help you have some breakthrough because of what God's doing in my life. Let the joy of the Lord well up in you and overflow. Father God, this morning we thank you for the joy that is in us because of Christ. That, that wells up, that overflows. It's a fountain. Lord, that your grace, that your gifts, that all of these things are rooted in joy. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Would you worship together?